If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. So friends, listen. This is God's Word. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This is God's Word. So we are we're on a four-month journey as a church. It's a journey we've resolved ourselves to love our neighbors, to love the people around us. We've been praying all of January, we've been praying that Jesus would bless the lives of the people that we know who aren't yet Christians. Right? That's what we've been praying for, and that's where we began. That was the beginning of it. Last month, we were devoted to praying. Well, as we love and begin to care for our neighbors, it's only natural that we would want them to understand, at least, our faith in Jesus. Right? And as I've thought back over the relationships that I've built, you know, with my list of folks who at this point aren't walking with Jesus, that I would love to see Jesus doing something in their life, who I would love to see show up at church on Easter Sunday in April. As I've thought about the history, the most significant times when I've seen people blessed by my faith in Jesus is when I'm sharing my personal experience. Okay, It's when I'm talking about the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And I think we're all like this. You know, when we hear people talk about things, we're interested in whether what they're saying is true or not. But if they have a personal experience of what they're saying, it makes us stop and take notice. Right? Um, Perfect example of this was yesterday. Right? The faith and work event that stuck in stuff seminar. Right? This guy, Dave Bruno, he realized that American-style consumerism actually makes people discontent and puts them on a rat race that will affect their work, their personal lives, and their relationships. Okay? He, he'd come to this understanding, but he didn't get up on a soapbox and start preaching. He didn't stand on a street corner and sort of call out the, the wickedness of our day and age. Instead, he took it upon himself to grow personally. And so what he did was... He divested himself of all but a hundred of his possessions. Okay, so a pair of socks is one possession. Toothbrush is one possession, right? He got rid of all the stuff that he has except for a hundred things, and he lived that way for a year. That experience transformed him. 
It changed who he was, and he began to write about it. He blogged about it, and then he ended up, somebody came to him. People began to approach him, and he ended up writing a book about it. Right? We had him speak yesterday. He's getting contacted from people all over the world, all over the world, from people wanting to hear his story and to talk about his experience so that he could help other people experience the freedom and this new life that he's experienced. What's the point? Well, it was Dave's personal experience that made people want to learn what he has learned. Okay, it was his personal experience. His simple living philosophy isn't just true, but it has done wonders for his life. It's made this huge difference in his life, and it's helped others now as well. Okay, the same thing is true about Christianity. Okay, with the people in your life, people don't just want to hear about Jesus. But just as important, people have two questions when you start talking about Jesus, whether they ask him or not. Their two questions are, does this actually work for you? And will it work for me? These are the questions that are at the forefront of people's minds. Does it actually make a difference in your life? Or do you just come to church, as Gerard so wonderfully reminded us, it's not just because it's tradition, right? It's not just because it's a habit. We're here to celebrate. Like, is that really your heart? Are you really experiencing something? If we want to share Jesus effectively, we have to be experiencing God ourselves. Here's a quote. You can't lead where you ain't been, or the only people who would follow you are fools. There it goes. So the question for us today is, are you experiencing God personally? Is he active in your life? And then how do you know? How do you know if God's active in your life? And then the big question for probably most of us here is, how can you experience him more? Right? That's what we want to see today. That's the point of our text. God is saying in our text, if you want to know if I'm active in your life, see if my fruit is present. Okay, that's God's message. If you want to know if I'm active in your life, See if my fruit is present in your life. And then he tells us exactly what this fruit is. And so if you're a Christian today, this looking at this at the fruit of the Spirit, um, looking at this should give you confidence, should give you motivation and genuineness in your life, but also as you share. And if you're not a Christian, you may be surprised today. Um, Christianity is all about a relationship with God. And when you see what the fruit of God's spirit is, when you see what it looks like to have God active in your life, you may find that you're not as far from him as you thought. And so we're going to look at uh, this in three ways. We're really going to focus on verses 22 um, and 23, looking at this this concept of the fruit of the spirit. We're going to see three points. Okay, so if you want to take notes, here are the three points. We're going to see first, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Second, how does the fruit of the Spirit grow? And third, why does the fruit of the Spirit connect you with others? Okay, what is it? How does it grow? And then why does it connect you with others? Those are our three points. So first, what is the fruit of the Spirit? You look there in verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's a metaphor. Okay? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Part of the wonder of Christianity is that when you begin to follow Jesus, Jesus forgives your past. He washes away your sins. He welcomes you into his family. And then he pours out his grace and his blessing in your life. Okay, now, and if that's not enough, God then himself sends his own spirit to dwell in you. He puts his spirit into your heart so that you have his presence in you personally. That's amazing. There is a God who made the world, who is so powerful, he's beyond the universe. And when you believe in Jesus, that God comes and dwells in your heart. He sends his spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in us. We saw in January that the tabernacle is a picture of who we are now. The spirit now comes into our lives. Okay? And so Jesus was God coming for us to save us from our sins and our broken ways. The Holy Spirit is God in us, enabling us to experience that salvation. And so Paul is trying to explain this to the church. He's trying to help people who are brand new believers, who have been confused by some different kinds of teaching. And he's trying to describe for them the difference that being in a relationship with Jesus makes in your life. And so he goes to this metaphor. Okay? And it's not a foreign metaphor. The Bible's filled with farming metaphors. It loves farming metaphors. It was written, a lot of it was written during a time where you had a very agricultural society. Um, And what Paul is saying here is that God has, when you believe in Jesus, God has planted the Holy Spirit in your heart. He's planted the Holy Spirit in your heart, and this is the fruit that comes out of it. Okay? So it's a metaphor, but it's a very great picture that if God is living in your heart, this is the fruit that God's presence in your heart produces. So we could say that the fruit of the Spirit is the kind of person that you become when God is working in your life. Okay, it's the kind of person you become when God is working in your life. So there's things we want to understand about the fruit. Okay? First of all, if you look, verse 22, um, you should probably circle the word fruit there. You circle the word fruit. What's interesting about Maybe just jump out at anybody. The word fruit and then the nine things that are listed to describe it. It's singular. Paul doesn't say that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, you know. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is. And so this is all one fruit. It's one fruit. So how do you have one fruit with all these different aspects to it? Well, um, you could say that it has lots of different shades to it, maybe. Um, We could say that it has various characteristics, right? And that's true. We have a grapefruit tree in our backyard. You know, if I pull off a piece of grapefruit, that grapefruit does have a taste, but it also has a color. Right? It's got a skin, it's got a texture, it's got a weight, it's got a shine to it, it's got a size, it has a temperature. 
And what Paul is saying here is that there is one fruit that the Spirit produces, and this is what that fruit is like. This is what this Spirit produces, the fruit of the Spirit produces these things in your life that are all evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we could say it like this. The fruit of the Spirit, it tastes like love. It shines like joy. It looks like peace. It has the warmth of kindness. It has the consistency of goodness. It's substantial like faithfulness. It's textured, feels like gentleness. And it has the weight of self-control. That's the life that the Holy Spirit produces in us. One fruit, all these variations. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in his book, The Magician's Nephew, like the sixth book in the Chronicles of Narnia. He describes this fruit, and, and here's what he says. He says, the fruit looked different too. There were, of course, all sorts of colored things in the bedroom. Okay, they, they, were, they were in a bedroom. Uh, there was the colored quilt on the bed, the wallpaper, the sunlight from the window, and mother's pretty pale blue dressing jacket. But the moment Diggory took the fruit out of his pocket, all those other things seemed to have scarcely any color at all. Every one of them, even the sunlight, looked faded and dingy. The brightness of the fruit threw strange lights on the ceiling. Nothing else was worth looking at. Indeed, you couldn't look at anything else. Right, so this multicolored, multi-orbed description of this one fruit. Like, I just want you to get a feel that, that this fruit, it affects everything. Right, this fruit that the Spirit produces in your life. It's this full orb thing that touches all of life. You know, I was trying to, again, think of other ways to describe this, and I thought about, you know, there's wine tasters, okay? And, and really good wine tasters, they take a sip uh, of, a, of, a, of wine, and they, got, they can distinguish like five or six different aspects to what makes the wine good or bad, right? So here, here's one. Um, the specific flavor profile includes mango, pineapple, and a hint of lemongrass. Okay. Sometimes when they say that after I taste it, I try to get, okay, I guess I maybe can, you know, I don't have a palate that's refined enough or I don't have enough nose or something like that. Um, but, I mean, that, that's, that's another kind of thing. Or, or you know, for, for the non-wine folks, have you ever had one of those, like, like a salad, right? The Waldorf salad is one of my favorites. You know, if a restaurant has a Waldorf salad because it's got, it's got greens, it's got gorgonzola cheese, it's got chunks of green apple, it's got candied walnuts, Right, it's got raisins, it's got slivers of carrot, you know, and it's like you bite into that, and you're you're kind of like in this joyful, you're you know, and you're you're spending time going, well, wait, now what was that? What was that? Can I get three of these things on one fork at one time? Can I get eight of these things? Can you know? And that's kind of what it's like, right? That's that's what the fruit of the spirit is like. It's not just one thing. It's this manifold, multiplicative kind of explosion of the heart of God in your life. And that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And so, uh, 
when you think about the, the fruit of the Spirit, I mean, again, this is what God is saying. If you want to know if I'm at work in your life, this is what you look for. Okay, are these things present in your life? Because if they are, that's the fruit that my Spirit is in you. That's the fruit of my Spirit in you. So, going back to my grapefruit tree, I was out there looking at some of the grapefruit this morning, and, uh, you know, and, I, and there was one that was just nice and choice. It was clean. It was great. And then, and then there was another one that I pulled off the tree. It was ripe. And it was really dirty. You know, like if you looked at it from, from underneath, it looked great. But if you turned it over, not so good. It was, it was pretty filthy. And I'm not sure exactly how that happened. I mean, it's eight feet up in the ground. Maybe the, I don't know. But it was dirty. You know, and, and I thought sometimes we don't see all of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because we've sort of covered over the fruit. We've covered over what God's doing in our lives with our own sin. Okay, and when that happens, we need to clean it off, right? You can still eat the fruit, you still enjoy the fruit, you pull it off, you just wet rag and you're as good as new, right? You're off to the races. This is why we confess our sins, right? When we commit sin, we confess it. It's like that, that fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives gets covered over with the, the dirtiness of our sin. We confess it, it gets wiped clean. And that fruit, again, lives and thrives. It can be seen and understood and experienced. found this other grapefruit, um, and it wasn't just dirty. I guess it had a bad spot. Okay? It had a bad spot. You know, there was part of it that was black. It didn't look like it had really fully formed. You know, and if you trace it back through, the branch that this particular fruit was on wasn't actually fully connected to the tree so something had happened right somebody was swinging on it somebody's yanking on it, whatever but the, the branch had come across, come off and it had been disconnected from the tree and so it didn't have an opportunity to fully form okay another great picture right there are times when we get separated from what god is doing in our lives where we either intentionally ignore God or we wander away from Him. Or, you know, for some of us, you know, this happens, you know, over the course of a few days, and then we think, wow, wait a second, I need to come back to God. I haven't prayed for a while. For some of us, it may be, you know, years or decades that we've been dangling on the edge of the vine, right, where our branch is just barely hanging on by that much. You know, maybe we've, like, we're just hanging, you know, by the weight, and it's just this little tiny connection back to the trunk. Right, that's keeping us still somewhat connected. Um, when that happens for us, we need to reconnect. We need to sink back into the, brand, the trunk of the tree. And we'll talk about how to do that if that's where you are. We'll talk about that. Um, and so, but I want to just kind of finish this summary of what the Spirit is, or what the fruit of the Spirit is by just sort of describing that, that what Paul is saying here in this passage, there's really two lists that he gives, right? He's got the works of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 17. You know, the desires of the flesh. You got verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. And he gives this big, long list, okay? And then you have this list of the fruit of the Spirit. And the idea here is this is Paul's understanding of how the world works, Okay, these are sort of two operating principles 
that are at work in the world. He even says that in verse 16, or verse 17. The desires of the flesh, what the flesh wants, are against what the Spirit wants. What the Spirit wants are against what the flesh wants. These things do battle with each other, right? And if you've ever (laughs) tried to manifest any of these things in your life, you'll understand that the struggle isn't just out there, although it is. It's also in here, right? So what Paul, in Paul's mind, when Paul thinks about the whole of, of the Bible even, in his mind, he understands that everybody, people start off in this condition of the flesh. Okay, they start off in the flesh. They're born into human families. They have ethnic and territorial identities. And they discover within themselves all kinds of desires where if you leave these desires unchecked, they will produce this list of things. And if you get enough people that have these desires unchecked, you end up in a society where, I mean, if you look at these things, there might be some things that maybe you might be interested in pursuing, but, you know, I think in the big picture, these things do not produce human flourishing. They don't produce good community. They don't produce good families, good friendships. These are things that actually bring society down. And then they produce a life of like needing to feed the desires. And so into that world, into that world that, of the flesh, God has sent his son. Jesus came into the world of the flesh. And as the gospel gets preached, even today, God's spirit goes forth and does work through the announcement of the good news of Jesus When people believe in the message of Jesus, God then plants his spirit in them. And this gives them a new life. It gives them a new life. And it produces renewed people, right? Because it's not anymore that these desires are there unchecked, but now there's something else. God himself comes and dwells inside the heart of a believer and begins to produce life that looks like God. That renews people, makes renewed church families, it makes renewed workplaces, and then renewed communities, cities. Ultimately, it's going to renew the world. And all of these things, every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, it's a reflection of God himself. It's God reaching out as a loving Father, gathering you into his family, and then making you like him like father like son like father like daughter right we become chips off the old block so that's what the fruit of the spirit is our second point is how does the fruit of the spirit grow how does the fruit of the spirit grow how do we get this how do we make it grow in our lives what can we do to be a part of having more of this in our life we have to see let me just look at the text Verse 22, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And so what does that mean? Well, God produces it. God produces it. There's a really neat, the the Bible uses the term fruit like 109 times in the Old Testament. 
70 times in the New. And there's this really interesting passage in the end of Hosea. Hosea 14, um, verse 8. Listen to this. God says, I am like an evergreen tree. From me comes your fruit. So this fruit is produced by God. Well, if that's the case, then what do we do? Right? And why are we, if, if God produces this, then what's the deal, right? Why don't we all have perfect, God's perfect, so the fruit should be perfect. You know, what's our part in this? How do we factor into this? Well, Paul does say that we have a part. God produces the fruit, but there's a responsibility that's laid on us to participate in what God's doing. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says there, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Okay, he says, walk by the Spirit. What that means is he's saying, develop an ongoing relationship with the Spirit. Make it so that as you walk about in your daily life, the Spirit is there with you. Okay, walk by the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. That's funny, I didn't even think about that, like walk by the Spirit, next to the Spirit. <laughs> um, I not think about that. I mean, it's really, it's walk by the principles of the Holy Spirit. Because the idea here is that God saves us. There's nothing that we do for Him to save us. He sent His Son to die for us. And we come to the cross, we receive forgiveness. He then puts His Spirit in us. And what God is saying here, the reason we come to him in the first place, although sometimes we forget, is that it's all about a relationship with God. It's not just about a free ticket to heaven, right? An escape insurance policy so you don't go to hell. It's about knowing God. It's about having a relationship with him. And so God saves us, and then he invites us to participate in a relationship with him. How is that relationship for you right now? Is it pretty one-sided? God speaks and you just sort of listen and then you kind of go on your own merry way. As we participate in a relationship with God, I mean, I was thinking about that this week. You know, you go on to like eHarmony, right? It's a dating site, like one of the most popular dating sites, All a whole, whole bunch of friends that have done e-harmony, right? Some of them have matched up. Some even gotten married. Other people, have, things have not worked out so well. But you go online and you look, right? You're hunting for the right person, right? You put in your criteria and they try to help match you up and all this kind of stuff. You know, and, and I was thinking that you know, there's only so far you can do and then they match you up and you begin to email back and forth. Right? You email back and forth and then you decide, are we going to meet or not, right? You get on the phone, you, you have a meeting and you can't, I mean, what you're doing there is you're looking for a relationship, right? You're looking for a relationship. You're not just looking for some computer behind a website to tell you, I think you might fit with these folks. You think, oh, that's great. Okay, cool. Right? I mean, you use that information so that you can enter into a relationship. And it seems like so often we, we really do forget that in the Christian life, that it's about a relationship with God. How much time did you and God spend this last week? I mean, it's, and it's not even, here's what's amazing about God. He's really patient, super gracious, totally willing that when we're available, he's available. He has this omnipotence thing going, this omnipresence thing going where 
Uh, he has this ability to be able to meet with all of us all at the same time in individual ways where he knows us personally and perfectly and he loves us and he knows us best. I mean, and yet we just don't really pursue a relationship with him. And it's interesting, I think if you get a hold of that, I mean, that's, that's our part. Our part is just what we do in response to what God has done with us, for us, is we just be in a relationship with him. That's what the call is. And as we do that, we experience more and more of him in our lives. This fruit will, I mean, can, continues to sprout up and flourish in our lives. Jesus said this exact thing in John chapter 15. It's a great passage on the fruit of the Spirit. It also makes it really personal in a neat way. Jesus says in John 15, verses 4 and 5, he says this. Abide in me and I in you. You know what the word abide means? I mean live... I mean, rest, remain in, stay. But in the it just means have a relationship, right? Abide in me means have a relationship with me. Allow, uh, live in me and let me live in you. So he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he or she it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's it. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you abide in him, the more you will see this fruit of the Spirit come alive in your life. It will grow naturally. One author said this. He said, um, through our effort, we let the Spirit have its own way in us. Kind of, you know, sort of like our, 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 our role and God's role. Through our effort, like, and the idea is, well, what are we efforting? What are we trying to make happen? We're trying to let the Holy Spirit have his way in our life. Okay? And so it's kind of like a, yeah. And <clears throat> so how does this happen? Again, let me just make it even more practical. Um, the practical process of this is the word and prayer. Okay? It's God's word. It's the Bible and prayer. Those are the two biggest things that will cause more and more abundant fruit to come out of your life. Okay? And so in terms of the word, um, and, and just with this passage alone in Galatians 5, if you look and see what the Bible says about these different aspects of the fruit, you could do a study of the Bible. Just find out where are the passages that talk about love. Right? What are the passages that talk about peace and joy, patience? You can do a Bible study on all of these things. And the more you study what the Bible has to say about these things, then you take the gospel, sort of you take what the Bible says, and then you put it with what you know about the gospel, and you put those things together, and, and what do you get? Well, you get that, okay, staying on love. Jesus perfectly loved you. 
Jesus perfectly loved the Father. And then he died for every time that you have failed to love. And now he sends his spirit to cleanse you of your unlovingness and then to fill you with his love. If you do that study, find the verses to talk about love, rehearse how the gospel, he lived that life, he died for you, and now he fills you. You will grow. You will see love well up in your life, in your heart. And then you pray. Prayer is just talking to God. You go to the Lord. Lord, I want to see more of these things in my life. And I don't. Faithfulness, Lord, is a hard one for me. I struggle with that. I remember that Jesus was perfectly faithful. Can you give me verses, Lord? Can you speak to me and tell me how I can be more faithful? How I can grow in this area of my life? Lord, are there people in my life that I can talk to about this? Are there ways that I can learn? Lord, would you show me what faithfulness looks like in this particular area or in this relationship in my life? You know, and as you think about that, as you imagine it, God will speak. God will call things to your mind. You'll have ideas. You'll have thoughts. You'll have, you know, sometimes it can be, wow, like if I were really faithful, I would look this way at work or I would act in this way and not in that way, right? If I were really faithful, this is how this relationship would look in my life. That's how it works. It's, it's God's word and prayer. It is the key to everything. And, and it's not about, I'm going to like, make you feel guilty because you didn't read enough or you didn't pray enough. It's not about that at all. It's all about God saying, I love you to pieces. And I have so much that I want to share with you. I want you to experience real love in your life, real joy, real peace, real patience, real kindness, real goodness, real gentleness, real faithfulness, real self-control. I want you to experience these things in abundance in your life. And if you spend time with me, it will grow. If you don't want to, let's talk. Come on, let's talk. And so it's the word of God, it's prayer. And we need to be doing this together. We need to be doing this together. Because if you're like me, you cannot pursue this for any length of time on your own. We've got to be telling each other how things are going. We've got to be saying, hey, this is going really well. Um, and then here's where I'm really struggling. Um, when we have those conversations, could you pray for me? Um, is there anything you know that the Bible says about about goodness. What exactly does that look like? It sounds a little bit ethereal to me. I don't get it. And you have a conversation. Oh, well, here's what I think it means. Oh, here's what I think it means. Well, let's ask God to help us. Right? You've got to do this together. This is what our community groups are for. Like, we need relationships because we can't do it on our own. And so it, it comes back. It's interesting because Paul started the passage in verse 16 by saying, walk by the Spirit. And then he ends the passage by saying, if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. And so let me give you a kind of a visual of, again, what it means to walk by the Spirit, right? Because we think about walking around in life. Um, and I was trying to think, well, what's a good illustration for this? And I came up with an illustration. I hope you think it's a good one. I think it's kind of, it's very, very evocative for me. Remember the Lord of the Rings movies, um, The Ents? 
right? The tree people? Okay. In the books, these are majestic, amazing creatures. In the movies, they come across like a little bit, these old fogies who don't really know what they're doing, but they're really good warriors, which is kind of a drag, but we can't, anyways, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's not related to the point. Stop that. These ants, right? They are, they're these, they're these tree, they're tree herders, right? And they look like trees, but they walk and they have arms and they're, and they, they can speak with incredible wisdom. And they are so in love with the earth. They are so in touch with everything that is living and green. They shepherd these trees. They taught them to walk. They taught them to, I mean, these amazing things, right? Now, what is really cool about the movies is that they brought these guys to life. And what was, what was really interesting to me, and what I think gives us this picture of walking by the Spirit, is that when the Ents would walk, do you remember that? It was like these two tree trunks walking. And if you look really closely, every time they took a step, you could see, you really couldn't tell that they had toes, but there were these things, they were like toes, like all around the stumps of their legs. And they'd step, and you could see the, their, their toe roots like sinking into the ground, you know? And they'd take another step, and it sinks in the, I mean, just for a second, right? Not a huge thing, but just for a second, and they're walking around. And you can tell that as they walk, it's almost like they themselves are being nourished by the earth, that they're being nourished by the nutrients in the ground and the soil and the water. And it's almost like walking for them is the way that they get nourished. And I thought, man, that's what it means for us to walk by the Spirit. It's almost like every time we take a step, we want to realize, Lord, I am planted in your Spirit. Lord, I have your Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. You know, every time I take a step, I mean, and if you want to say, Lord, every step I have is because of your strength and because of your gift of life to me. You know, that can help you. But it just means that everywhere you go, in every situation, the Lord is with you. And Paul says, walk according to that. Walk as though it's true that God himself is dwelling in your heart, that he has planted himself in your heart and is bringing forth fruit. That's how, that's how we do it. All right, to our last point. We've seen what is this fruit, how does, this, how does the fruit of the Spirit grow? Our last point is why does the fruit of the Spirit connect you with others? <clears throat> Chuck Swindoll, I read his book on Galatians, and he's had this great thing to say. He said, fruit is not meant to be left on the tree. Right? If you leave it on the tree, it goes bad. I mean, sometimes it'll fall, and then it goes bad again. But, um, but that fruit is meant to be experienced. It's meant to be seen, smelled, tasted, and eaten. And the idea here is that God has put this fruit into our lives to show us and the world what life could be like. Like that's part of the why. And this fruit, the things, these nine elements that are listed describing this fruit of the Spirit, this fruit lasts Forever. It lasts forever. This is fruit that comes from heaven. In that passage in The Magician's Nephew where C.S. Lewis is talking about the fruit, 
he goes on and he says, you know, the smell of the fruit was as though somebody had opened a window into heaven. When we manifest this fruit, our lives begin to remind people of heaven. We can live in a way today that's like a preview or a movie trailer of what it's going to be like in heaven. Every time you love, every time you're patient, every time you are good and faithful, every time you are bringing heaven to earth, God's kingdom is coming and his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. When you live that way, people who lack these things in their lives will be drawn to you. People who lack these things are drawn to friends who have them. Drawn to friends who have them. And and everybody wants this. Everybody wants these things, right? Both Christians and non-Christians. Okay, I mean, the, the idea of virtues is sort of the, non, the outside of the Bible way to talk about this stuff. And virtues are everywhere. Everybody has them. Everybody wants these things. Even people, I think about self-control, for instance. Even people whose life is not self-controlled, they either want to be self-controlled or they don't think it's a problem, but they want self-control in other areas of their life, right? I mean, we all want these things. And at that point where we recognize that the, the fruit of the, of the Spirit are things that everybody wants, at that point we get connected. And here's why. Here's why. Because every person on earth is made in the image of God. When God created humanity, He made us in His image. And every single one of us still has the vestiges of the image of God. And so all of the virtue that exists in the world that's outside of the church, it shows that we are from the same creator, that we have the same father. This is why everyone is attracted to Jesus, right? Even if they're not attracted to the church, right? Or the people who claim to follow Jesus, everybody's attracted to Jesus because they know that he came and he reaffirmed the goodness that we all know should characterize human life, right? It's his spirit now that comes. So God as creator created us in his image. And in all of us, we have the knowledge of virtue. We have these things and the desire for these things written on our hearts. Well, Jesus came to help us get back to that. He helped, he he came to, to redeem us, not just to create us, but then to redeem us, to restore us back so that our lives would be characterized with these things, so that we could have a power from God, a relationship with God that would reproduce these things in our lives and in the lives of others. And when we put these things on display, when we manifest these things in our lives, we then have an experience that we can share. Just this week, just this week, I was, I had the kids, we were down in a canyon with a neighbor, and uh, we were walking back up from the canyon. And my neighbor said, um, I'm having a real hard time lately getting into that place of gratitude. 
And for her, that means I'm really getting irritated with my kids, <laughs> really having a hard time with the kids. And I know that because, you know, we have a relationship. And, uh, but to get to that place of gratitude is what she said. And I said, you know, th- just this week, actually, I made a list of the areas in my life where I need to grow personally. And uh, number four on my list was patience with the kids. Um, so I really I understand how hard it is. And, um, and, and so we were talking. She, she said some things, and I said, you know, we probably ought to get together and talk because I would love to hear from you what works for you to get you to that place of gratitude. And I'd love to share with you what's worked for me because I've seen some really amazing things happen in my own life in this particular area. And her response was, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that soon. And that's where it comes down, right? The fruit of the Spirit, being able to listen to what she's saying, to know how to respond with wisdom, to be gentle, to be self-controlled, not to just vomit on somebody, you know, Um, to want to do the loving thing to draw it out, to understand where they're coming from so that we can then share. Because I want to know, like, does this really work for you? If it does, that's great. Let me share with you what works for me. The reality is that as I have gone to the Lord and confessed my impatience and my lack and my snappiness and my frustration, God has cleansed my heart. He has given me new life. And when I think about Jesus living in me, his blood covers me and his spirit fills me, it's caused me to become a more patient person. That's what we share. That's what we share. We want to talk about Jesus, but it's got to mean something to us. And so I want you this week to think about these, th- this fruit of the Spirit. I want you to study and think, what do these virtues look like in my life? And how can I draw near to God so that I can experience more of His fruit? Because once you experience it with Him, you then are able to walk in it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, send your spirit to fill each of us. We want so much to experience more and more of the fruit. And so we come to you and ask you for this. Lord, this is for our sake. We want to experience these things. We want to show you how much we appreciate what you've done for us in our lives. Um, We want to live for you, and so we want to put your goodness and your power on display by showing these things to you uh, and to the world. Lord, we all have friends that we would love to see understand more about you. We'd love for them to experience Jesus for themselves. And so we want to show these things to them. So, Lord, give us experience. Help each of us this week to press in and to think deeply about these things, to talk to you about them. And Lord, for those who are here who aren't yet Christians, Lord, would you draw near to them and would you show them that the virtue that is in their heart comes from you? That you put that knowledge of right and wrong, you put that desire for love and patience and peace in them. And use that virtue, Lord, to lead them back to you. Help them to see that you want even more than they do 
for them to experience these things in their lives and that you have made a way through Jesus to make that happen. Lord, transform us all. Change us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.